Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Big Football Show, The Athletic's new daily podcast focused on Big Ten football. You can expect a new episode each weekday with perspective from myself, National College football reporter Nicole Auerbach. We've also got the crazy Ari Wasserman throughout the week. And then a number of our Big Ten beat writers who will have you covered on all things throughout the conference. On Mondays, I will be joined each week by Iowa reporter Scott Dockerman. Scott... I'm thrilled to be doing this. Normally, it'll be a recap show, but we will be previewing a Big Ten football season we weren't sure that we were going to have. Yeah, absolutely. And this is great to be with you, Nicole. And uh, I guess uh, for all of, uh, all of our legends and listeners out there, it just seems to be, uh, you know, finally, we're here. We're at Big Ten football week. And what a crazy offseason this was, Nicole, for both of us, for you being on the front lines with the Big Ten office. And are you surprised that we're here right now? It's an interesting question. A lot of people have been asking that. And I guess there has to be some level of su- surprise because you have a postponement and you have the look towards a spring season and a winter season and January start dates and all these things. And, and you go from that to, to October. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot. And all of our colleagues are going to talk about this a lot because we have five shows a week on this platform. Um, but, but you know, the, the question of how much of a season can you get in and, and what does it mean for the Big Ten to start in October and to squeeze in a season in the same calendar time frame as everybody else? Like that is the big question. That is why we are doing this. Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously easier, even if it's a shorter season, this is what the Pac-12 is doing too, to get back on the same calendar as everybody else. Um, but, you know, there's, there's definitely challenges and we'll, we'll track all of it. We're going to track Ohio State's chase. You know, obviously this is a team that's um, national ch- championship caliber and we will be following them closely all season. Um, Bill Landis, who, who covers the Buckeyes, he will be hosting this show on Tuesdays with Audrey Snyder, who covers Penn State. So we, we will have a lot of insight on that team in particular through this. But I, I think the whole like six months of the weirdest off season of our lives, so much of it was focused on, are we even going to be able to play college sports? And a lot of smaller conferences and leagues decided not to, um, you know, the NCAA championships for, for all of the other fall sports are going to be played in the spring. And, it, and we got to this point where it was, can you just play football or can you at least like just nakedly like prioritize football, right? Like, can, can we get this in? Um, and I think that it was, you know, it's not, I guess, surprising to me that there were leagues that were willing to push through, 
But here's the thing, Scott. Do you remember for months we just kept hearing like, can you be, can you play college football if colleges are closed or if college, regular students aren't there? Those were limiting factors that people said were going to be limiting factors and ultimately weren't because some of the Big Ten schools are doing online remote learning, um, but moving forward with the football season. So I think, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that. And I think when you get to the point where you're allowing that and when you have high school football happening in a lot of these states and the SEC is playing, um, it does create this pressure cooker. And if you're able to, you know, get better testing, do daily testing, have advances in that space too, you can justify it. And so it, it was just such a strange five-week period of, of all of those things happening at the same time that kind of allowed us to have a fall season here. So I guess I'm surprised, but also not because it's college sports and weird, very weird things happen in, in college sports. Yeah. I mean, here it was, it was different. It was a pressure cooker. The confluence of high school football is ongoing. It never was canceled. It wasn't shuttered combined with or the university of Iowa voted to keep football going. Right. It was one of three right. schools with Nebraska and Ohio State. Uh, never wanted to shut it down to begin with. Uh, it matters here. It's huge for the, not only the economy, but for the state. And then you look two hours to the west, Iowa State is part of the Big 12, and it was never shutting down. So when you had uh, just the, the juxtaposition of Iowa State playing at home for its opener the same weekend that's the traditional Cyhawk rivalry game, and Iowa was on the sidelines, and that's before the Big Ten voted to come back. That was really difficult for people to accept. And uh, throughout this whole environment, as you described, you know, to go from Jeff Brom's proposal right after the season was shut down to, to go in the spring, and what does that mean for 2021 football, to backing it up to domes in, in uh, January and throughout February to and Ryan Day talked about the, the importance of getting it done so people could go to the draft and go through that experience. But to me, when it really felt like, okay, I think this might happen in the fall, was when the leak happened about Thanksgiving. Because if you're going to start on Thanksgiving, there's no reason why uh, not to move it back into where we are right now in late October. And so I think that's when it, it became real to me. And then, of course, five weeks after, the, the league decided to, to – it had enough testing, which I think is a, is a good compromise so the league doesn't look bad. And I think it does show enough growth in uh, the testing methods to allow them to go forward. It's going to be really challenging, though, this year. I wonder, because the Big Ten is so stringent, we've already seen it affect every single conference, including Florida, Nick Saban, you know, with negative tests. I mean, what's going to happen if somebody has a, a negative positive or whatever – uh, late in the week. I mean, it could be, you know, you can knock a team out for no reason. So that's going to be a real yeah. challenge. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and one thing we're going to talk about this a lot throughout the year is there, there are no idle weeks, no bye weeks, no weeks to make up games, which we've seen all of those leagues need that. And in even the SEC, they started later than the ACC and the Big 12, and they don't have that many open weeks. So you have to prioritize what games you want to make up. And, and I think that that's going to be a, a thing that we're going to need to monitor in the Big 10. Also, a positive test knocks you out for 21 days. It's a more stringent standard in this league as well. So, Scott, that, that brings me to, you know, why now, right? Like when, the reason to get in the fall, as we've discussed, it, it saves your 2021 because you get back on a normal calendar for the spring and the fall. All of that is great. But really, 
by starting as early as possible that the medical group would let you, which is this date, this weekend, it allows you a chance to have your champion get in the ballpark of what they need to be for the college football playoff. Do you think an eight-game regular season and a conference championship game will be enough? You know, I mean, obviously, I think we're all, this is Ohio State's uh, league championship to lose. Is it going to be enough if those games get in? I do if they all get in. And I think based on what we've seen in college football, uh, what's happened with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 hasn't even played yet, uh, that and the ACC seems to be a two-team race at best. That I think I, I think it's more it's more like one it's one, one, and a, one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. I mean, Notre Dame didn't play <laughs> real well on Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I think that if a team goes nine and zero, oh, it's guaranteed, and it may be one of the top two seed teams, maybe three, because uh, I think Clemson and Alabama seem to right now. <laughs> it's 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 not written in sharpie, but it's in ink, you know. And so I think when you look at those. Uh, if somebody goes 9-0, yes. But I'm also wondering, based on what we've seen with the Big 12, if somebody goes 8-1 and one in this league, uh, if, mm. if it's uh, Penn State, if Penn State loses a close game to Ohio State and then plays a uh, championship jamboree against an, an Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota and, and wins decisively, I think Penn State has an outside shot. Same thing with Michigan. I think Michigan's got a shot. And in the West, if you got an undefeated – Wisconsin or Iowa or Minnesota that loses a close game to Ohio State I think they've got an outside chance too because when you look at what's going on with the Big 12 uh, you know I was at the Iowa State Louisiana game and Iowa State lost 31 to 14 and now Iowa State's beaten Oklahoma it's uh, undefeated in Big 12 play if they go all the way to the end and you're saying eight you know this would be insane in my part of the world but eight and one Iowa with a close championship loss to Ohio State would dwarf would uh, trump a Iowa State team that maybe wins the Big Twelve but uh, lost that opener? Uh, that would be a really interesting discussion that Gary Barta would have to, uh, you know, remove himself from the room. So I do think that a champion of this league, if it doesn't have two losses, is going to get in. Uh, but the question is, how likely is it that they're going to get the entire season in? Well, well, but we also don't know exactly how many games Alabama's going to get in or, or Clemson, right? Like, we, we do know that they are starting from a schedule with more games. Um, but as we've seen in the SEC this past week, like, it, it, these outbreaks can come really fast. And, and as we know, it's not like a, like a 24-hour fix. This is potentially impacting multiple games. So I, I, I do think – I'm with you absolutely. I think an undefeated – Big Ten champ um, is is surely in. I think that was the issue with the Pac-12 starting a few weeks later is if you go undefeated, you're just still not in the same ballpark. Like we're talking about, I don't think teams don't need to play the same amount of games this year, but you need to be close. You need to be in the ballpark. Um, and so, you know, that's absolutely, you know, in the cards, I think, for for Ohio State. Your point about the the one-loss teams is, is pretty interesting because – this is one of the benefits that I think we're really going to see out of that. I love that you're calling it a championship jamboree, but this 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 uh, championship matchup weekend, whatever, whatever. I think it's championship week. They're called Champions Week or something. It's being called by the league, yeah. but it really, really can benefit those teams that play in the second place game, second place in each division, um, to the point where if that really helps you in terms of maybe having a second team in the playoff or even a backup in case your favorite loses. 
maybe you do that every year. Maybe this is not just a one year weird 2020 thing. Like I, I, I'm rooting for that whole concept to succeed because I think it's really fun. Without a doubt, you've got some great potential matchups. And one of the things that you know, I, I appreciated about Jim Delaney was we want to play each other more, not less. When you've expanded, you, you know, this, this league has been around since 1896. It's been pretty much intact since 1917 with the majority of the, of the teams. Uh, so there are histories on both sides of the East-West divide that just kind of get tossed out. I mean, uh, Iowa hasn't played at Ohio State since 2013. And it won't this year. It was supposed to, but it won't this year. You look at Illinois and Indiana. I mean, only separated by a couple of hours. They're in opposite divisions. They used to be, when it was an 11-team league, they played every year. So I think the, the, the opportunity, not only to match good teams against good teams, because let's say it goes by chalk and Wisconsin and Ohio State play in Indy the final Saturday night. But if Iowa was number two and Minnesota was number three in the West and say Penn State was two and Michigan was number three in the East, then you can kind of flip-flop those matchups. And, hey, if you're, uh, you know, if you're Fox Sports, wouldn't you love to have a, an extra chance at Iowa-Michigan or Minnesota-Penn State to play and, and uh, have, have a really good ratings, have a good game? So I, I agree with that. And then the other component that I think we've kind of overlooked for a little while is the financial component. I mean, this is the reason why they're playing. Let's, let's, not, let's be honest. I mean, if there was no – uh, you know, that's why they're not playing volleyball, but they are playing football. And when you're looking at, you know, $50 million roughly counting media rights agreements, bowl revenue sharing agreements, and, and all the like that teams were going to forfeit uh, by not playing this fall, I think when you look in the future, not only does this help them with their inventory this year, but you look next year, uh, you could strengthen it. And then potentially, I think they're, they're, the team should – petition for a 13th game next year to try to recuperate some of that revenue and a championships game week would be fantastic looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's let's start breaking down some of the divisions briefly. I mean, it's been forever the longest and weirdest off season of our lives. I mean, I don't know about you, Scott, but like, did did you come up with a new hobby or a new talent or anything? <laughs> like, well, while, while we've been waiting for Big Ten football to come back, I I took up grilling. Grilling is my new quarantine hobby. Um, goes well with college football Saturdays. Yeah, I did. A, I've, I've done a lot of that. Um, I love sitting on my deck listening to the Cubs and drinking a beer. So I, I needed to get out, that's get away your, from that. That's a good hobby. Yeah. It's a good I hobby. I need to get away from that a little bit though. <laughs> well, well, we had a long, long off season to preview and then re-preview and preview again. 
and look at this league with the players who opted out and now look at it again with all the players who opted back in. Um, so like I said, we're this podcast is going to have different voices and perspectives every day, five days a week. Um, so we will have a lot of preview previewing this coming season, this coming weekend. But Scott, I wanted to get your thoughts as we sit here right before we're about to start off. Now, we've talked a lot about Ohio State. Um, Obviously, they were forefront in this push to play in the fall season in the traditional time frame so that they could have a chance to win a championship. And this might be the most talented team in the country. We are not sure yet. We have seen Clemson make its case. They're kind of in like what do we call them? Like Death Star Clemson mode or whatever. <laughs> they're, 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 they're usually like this in January and we're seeing it in October. So it's a little terrifying. Alabama, you know, wins the best, biggest game of the year so far. Um, but Ohio State, Justin Fields, um, the guys they had opt back in, like this is going to be an incredibly talented team. And I'm curious if anyone is getting closer to closing the gap in the East in your mind. I actually think two teams in the East have an opportunity to compete with them. And that's Penn State and Michigan. And Michigan has made it, has, has, the divide is greater now over the last decade between Michigan and Ohio State than it's ever been. I think they're a very difficult team to compete against. But I think the, what Wisconsin showed for a half last year showed that they're not uh, they're not invincible, that they're capable of, of beating them. And, and every year you've seen, whether it's a West Division team, be able to compete head-to-head with an Ohio State when people don't expect it. A couple years ago it was Purdue, it was Iowa, it was also Wisconsin for a half <laughs> last year, and then, of course, Clemson. But I think they were more talented last year than they were even the previous years. This is going to be a difficult matchup for just about anybody. I mean, because, as you mentioned, Justin Fields, they've had some really good quarterbacks we've seen over the last decade plus that all kind of fit a similar profile. Uh, Terrell Pryor did, certainly. Uh, Braxton Miller. Uh, JT Barrett was a winner. He's the best. He's the best out of the mm-hmm. bunch. He's the most talented player of the bunch because he can. He has the same type of body and athletic ability as, as Terrell Pryor, but he can throw and he can throw on the run and he can, he's, he's kind of Braxton Miller, you know, as a runner. So he makes everything so dangerous. And then you look at the way they've recruited the style that they played, you know, urban Meyer brought it because they were a little stale before that. And then now the way they execute it. And when you have ass kickers up front, like Wyatt Davis, um, they're just, they're going to be a hard out for anybody. And uh, right away they get Nebraska, but you know, Sean Wade is great on the defensive side of the ball. I do think, though, early on, you, you might be able to score some points on them. You know, so I think that could happen. But as the course of the season goes on, this is going to be a very challenging team to compete against for all four quarters. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's, it certainly says something about Ohio State that every time they play the Michigans and the Penn States of the world – the story coming out of it is about that talent gap still. Um, and and I've, I've said, you know, as a Michigan grad, you know, there's so much consternation about, you know, always losing to Ohio State and, and the way that they've lost to Ohio State in the last few years. Um, and it, it's I, I really think that in a different era, Jim Harbaugh gets a couple of those games. It is just, again, it's like the Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, there, there's a reason there's only been a handful of teams that are in CFP consideration every year. Like they are rec- recruiting, reloading, 
and calling games in a way that is just stupid. Mm -hmm. It is just unfair. It is, there, there is such a clear gap. So again, it's like you have to, it takes time to get up to that level. Like this is the ACC storyline, right? That Clemson is just so much better than everyone else. It's not quite like that, that narrative in the Big Ten. You have a lot more history and, and you have talent and, and teams. But, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, it's that speed. It's the talent. It's our, our colleague Ari Wasserman, the five-star talent that they have that they're starting from. And then you have great coaches developing and building. But like you said, Justin Fields is the best of the prototypical quarterback that they've had that has won a lot of games and he's even better. Um, so, so I, I, I think, you know, I'd be shocked if they don't win the big 10 shocked if they don't win the East. Um, I do think Penn state is in a little bit more of a transition year than, than maybe we expected. I mean, not having Micah Parsons will, will do that for your defense. Um, Michigan, does Michigan finally have a quarterback? Is Joe Milton the answer? I mean, this is, you know, again, I'm, I'm around Michigan fans a lot. Jim Harbaugh comes in, the savior of the program, supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, and he has not had a quarterback. Um, that's been – the quarterback and the O-line play have been the limiting factors for Michigan. Um, so, so there's just so many interesting storylines. I think as you go deeper into the East, you've also got you know Mel Tucker. It, it's, it's crazy to think back about this. He got that job so late. Mm -hmm. It feels like years ago, but so late. Um, I, I think you could justify this as essentially year zero for him with everything that happened this offseason. I just wrote a big feature on Indiana football and Tom Allen with their building coming off of their best season in 25 years. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Can if, if Michael Penix Jr. stays healthy, what does that mean for that offense? Um, and then, you know, I mean, I'm partial to the East. I'm part, I'm a New Jersey native. We will never forget about Rutgers in Maryland in, in this podcast. Um, but I mean, you know, there's, there's also storylines out there too. Obviously Greg Schiano back at Rutgers, can he do it again? How long will it take to turn that place around? Um, and then Mike Loxley, we're finally going to see some of that elite talent that he convinced to stay home on the field. So, I, I mean, I'm always partial to the East because of my alma mater and where I'm from. But I do think it's compelling beyond just the fact that we expect Ohio State to steamroll pretty much everyone they play. Yeah, I mean, the East is the most fascinating division in sports, uh, all sports, in my opinion, simply because you have the dynamics of that great rivalry. You have newcomers that to bring in something different. And then you have a couple of other teams that are really starting to weave their way in there. I thought Indiana is a good point. Um, tremendous year for, for Tom Allen last year. And they were, you know, they were within a, a, a late collapse of, went in a bowl game. So, you know, that would have been a real feather in his cap there, not to use a cliche, but, but I, you know, one thing about Penn state, you have Herc Soraka as the, as the offensive coordinator, yeah. he did a tremendous job at Minnesota. I liked the way he played, you know, cause that was a program that had kind of plateaued a little bit under Jerry kill. And, and then of course had some issues after him, but I like Sean Clifford. I'm not sure I love Sean Clifford yet. Maybe this is the year where you go from, okay, he's just gone from good to great. Uh, I like their assortment of running backs. I think if you're going to match up, though, with Penn, with uh, Ohio State, you've got to make sure defensively that not only can you stop the run immediately, but you've got to cover so much ground. And, and uh, I do think they have two elite pass rushers that can disrupt the pass game. And I think that's really important. I like their linebackers. Micah Parsons would have been a difference maker, no doubt. Uh, and they've got some veterans in the secondary, so I think they can match up 
somewhat. The same thing, you know, Michigan is, is fascinating. They're the most interesting program in the most interesting division because they've brought in some ringers at quarterback. You know, Jake Rudolph was the first one and Shea Patterson and, and, you know, Dylan McCaffrey, then he transfers. Joe Milton's kind of the under the radar. Oh yeah. Yeah, this guy, maybe he's the best. Maybe he's, he's actually a really good quarterback. Bringing back Chris Evans at running back, I think it's going to be critical for them. And likewise, uh, they have uh, maybe the best defensive end tandem in the Big Ten and Quiddy Payne and, uh, and Aiden Hutchinson. And they've got some good yep. linebackers. So I think they're capable, but they've got to cover. You've got to play defense. And you basically got to say, Ohio State, we're going to spot you 31 points. We've got to beat 31 points. Anything beyond that, you're in trouble. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And, and again, and, and that's kind of explains, you know, what we've seen in the game the last few years is, you know, you can play, you can shut down other offenses, but that offense is different at Ohio State. And then again, quarterback play, some bad decisions, some O-line issues, and the game gets out of hand. And so I, I completely agree with you. Um, and it's going to be fascinating. I mean, you saw Jim Harbaugh beat Michigan State and Notre Dame. But everyone forgets about the, those, those rivalry games matter to Michigan fans and the Michigan, you know, the brass, but, but it's not Ohio State. So we, we will absolutely cover all the, the wrinkles in the East as we go with this podcast. But before we wrap it up for our first episode, Scott, we got to talk about the West. It is close, near and dear to your heart. You are basically our resident West expert. There are some awesome players in the Big Ten West in particular. Like, I, I think, you know, we were all so excited when Rondale Moore decides to opt back. In, but but what what is your number one storyline out West? Is it just, you know, is someone going to get Wisconsin? It always has to be Wisconsin. They, are, they have established themselves this last decade as the premier program in this part of the world, the upper Midwest. And I think that's, uh, that's something everybody has to go through. But Here's the thing. I mean, they were so good. They led the nation in time of possession. They did everything they wanted to do, but they lost a ton of players. And it's, you can't just simply write their name down when you lose a Jonathan Taylor, an, an elite all-time great running back, in a, in a decade where we've seen some of the best running backs in the history of college football in this, in this uh, conference. And he's a three-year uh, you know, All-American, basically, and you lose him. Then you lose you know, Quintess Cephas, who – you know, had some issues, but then ended up, uh, 
you know, going to the pros and he's good. At, you know, they lost two very good linebackers, a center who was a, uh, you know, a, a, a all American, but then a quarterback who gets, uh, you know, Jack Cohen's out. So now you got to, you just got a lot of new faces and everybody's shooting for him. And they have some intense rivalry games where, you know, like Iowa is, was one game behind Wisconsin and Minnesota in the standings. Well, Iowa beat Minnesota and lost 24, 22 at camp Randall last year when a two point conversion and, you know, failed with three minutes to go. So and Minnesota nearly, nearly got him too. I mean, you know, and it's, well, maybe not yeah. nearly, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there were, there were team, there were challengers and like, it's just, you know, can, can, can those challengers actually knock them off the perch? That that's to your point. That's the hard part. Even in a year where you, you see transitions and even like last year, you know, we thought maybe this was the year. Um, it, it's kind of like that Kansas big 12 regular season championship streak or something. You're like, Oh, you, you know, you talk yourselves into these contenders and, and then it's just always, Wisconsin. So, you know, I mean, like Graham Mertz, like everyone's excited about him at quarterback. We've been, we've been wanting to see him. What if he's even better than Jack, right? And then, and then what does that mean for the offense? So um, I, I'm with you. I think, I think the West is going to be really, really interesting. Although we also always talk ourselves into that and then Wisconsin does Wisconsin things. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I think a couple of fa- fascinating other topics. I mean, Purdue has maybe the three most talented players in the West division. Uh, Rondale Moore and David Bell, uh, as good of a receiving combo as I've seen. Plus, do not sleep on George Karloftis, their uh, their defensive end. He's a freak. He's Ryan Kerrigan, and uh, he is phenomenal. He's going to be, um, you know, <laughs> I think everybody wishes he would opt out early, but he can't because he's only a true sophomore. Uh, I there's a lot to like, and a lot of people have overlooked Iowa. I mean, they scored seven touchdowns on USC in the bowl game, and everybody who scored those touchdowns is back, including Amir Smith-Marset, who scored three different ways in the second quarter alone. They're, they're losing a quarterback and uh, in a defensive end, and that's pretty much it as far as uh, faces go. Minnesota, you know, brings back, you know, uh, an offensive line. It brings back a quarterback. Rashad Bateman opted back in. He's wearing number zero. Uh, which I think is really fascinating for zero tolerance for for racism. Illinois is fascinating to me uh, because last year the numbers say that they should have been like a three and nine team, but they won some really freak games. <laughs> yes, it's a good way to put and it. Then, yeah, and then <laughs> and then you look at Northwestern, and I thought, okay, this is a they always are a thorn in the side of a lot of teams, and. Then when they had some opt-outs for Sean Slater uh, the other day, Travis Willock and uh, Sandup Miller, I'm like, oh, that's going to hurt. But they also have Peyton Ramsey. And then, can't believe it, last team I'm mentioning is Nebraska. What's Scott Frost going to do out there? There's a lot of fascinating storylines. Just about anything can happen. And that, that's kind of the wild, wild west in the West Division. Yeah, and I really do think it will be. Again, you know, you mentioned a lot of those, um, you know, those skill position players at other places – and, um, and, and I think, you know, what that means for, you know, potential performance on an individual day. I mean, I, I think, again, you, you have places like, so, so, so in Nebraska, like, what is a realistic expectation this year with a conference-only schedule? But this is a program that hasn't been bowl eligible yet under Scott Frost. And so 
what what are you looking for as that measuring stick to show success with a weird schedule, right? Like that's that's something that's interesting. I was talking to Tom Allen about it last week um, because again, you know, Indiana's in that particular position as well where it's like, okay, you're in the East and so like you're kind of limited in like what is a successful season? Is it finishing fourth in your own division? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great season for Indiana. And um, so I was talking to him about the conference only schedule and he was like, it's, it's the same for us. We, we, all, we always play all these teams. Um, it's always challenging. And they got Wisconsin in their crossover, of course. So, um, you know, it, it, it's th- that, though, I think is going to be an adjustment. As us get used to, as, you know, we're used to like a six-game, you know, win six wins as, as a threshold. And, um, you know, there's going to be more losses. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get used to this across the board. Like, the SEC is going to have, you know, one, two losses. Teams that we're not used to seeing because of the frequency they're playing people. Um, but I think that's going to happen in the Big Ten, too. And so it's like, okay, everyone's bowl eligible. Congratulations to every Big Ten school. Um, but also, like, for Nebraska, what is that win total that people be happy with? What, what shows growth? I think four wins, the four and four record, simply because of their, of their non-conference or their non-divisional schedule. When they have to play Ohio State and Penn State, uh, that's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, but I think for them, growth is – they have to beat the teams that are now kind of considered their rivals, which is Iowa. They've lost five straight to Iowa and six out of seven. Wisconsin, they've lost seven straight to Wisconsin. If you can get one of those two teams and, uh, and win four games and get to a bowl, I think you feel like, okay, you're moving in the right direction. But if those two teams blow you out of the water again, like they have for the most part over the last decade, and then you are three and five, you know, last year they lost back-to-back to Indiana and Purdue. That's pretty tough. So I think they got to get to four wins. Well, and especially as we were discussing with Minnesota. And listen, like, I, I really enjoyed Minnesota last year. I am giving them more credit for the way they played Wisconsin for, like, the beginning of the game. Um, but I, I think, like, you see that breakthrough season, and the schedule broke perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that aligned perfectly for Minnesota last year. Um, but you saw that giant step. Um, and you saw the way that they played – in some of those big games that that we haven't seen out of out of a Nebraska yet, which we do expect to be, like you said, beating teams like Iowa, beating teams like Wisconsin when they have those crossover games against Ohio State being in the game, right? Like that's not the expectation right now heading into the opener. So I, I think it's all going to be really interesting. And I do think like we're going to have to recalibrate how we think about success this season just because of the schedule itself, the weirdness around it, player availability, coach availability. Um, but I think it's going to be really fun. And, and I'm glad that we have it. I'm glad that, you know, we didn't know that we were going to have it in the fall. It is cold. It is like full on Big Ten weather. I don't know about you. Like I turned the heat on today. Like it is perfect timing for Big Ten football to start. Finally, we have snow. So yeah, you have snow. <laughs> it's snow today. So yes, we it's both Big Ten football weather and uh, I can't wait. I'm I'm really excited. It's been a rough fall not having it. Although Saturdays have been a little bit more uh, relaxing, I would say. But still, I can't <laughs> wait uh, to you know this week. Most intriguing matchup to me is Iowa Purdue, simply because you got two completely different styles and two teams that I think are capable of le- of winning the division or capable of falling back to towards the bottom of the pack. So I, I'm really fascinated with that matchup. And I can't wait to see it, uh, I guess, starting Friday with uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. Yeah, we are only a couple of days away from Big Ten football coming back. That'll do it for our first football show. 
We will be here each weekday. You will have a different rotating cast of athletic staff writers. Remember that you, yes, you are our legends and listeners. You can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are available. If you are not already an athletic subscriber, go to theathletic.com. You can sign up for just $1 a month to get the podcast ad-free, plus everything else a subscription to The Athletic has to offer. We'll see you tomorrow. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.